to swear these days and nor am i one for a hyperbole <laughs> but like holy shit tim yeah well i that's the tamest version of expression for this movie no again i've this has been <laughs> reserved for, for 74 episodes <laughs> we'll get into it we're just trying to we got to put words where there are no words i Okay, I'll try. <laughs> uh, well, we can start with this is episode 74 <laughs> of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where, well, me, this guy here, Ryan McDuffie, that's my name. Hello. And, and the me. gentleman sitting across from me. Me. Tim. Tim Aslan. Aslan. Tim Timothy. Well, we... we get together after watching a horror film and we talk about what worked for us what did not work for us and anything that we thought was interesting or noteworthy to share about the film and we hope you uh well you can you either have seen the film or not whatever's good for you we, we kind of approach it as if you have seen the film and we acknowledge we don't we don't incur this is our disclaimer we always have we we say what worked for us and what did not work for us because we don't claim to be any authority we merely are trying to be your horror fan horror f film fan friends <laughs> yeah. who are there for you who can talk to you about horror films and you're welcome to talk back we've got social channels and email so uh do, true. do you think of it as a discussion and this <laughs> week's film is a remake slash side quill right of the 2004 remake <laughs> the grudge it's also called the grudge and it is the first film with an official 2020 release date tim and i both saw whether for the show or otherwise i believe is that true for you tim yeah 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 i haven't gone to see any kind of like when the very first film of what is it 2019 was insidious the last key or was that it sounds about right was that wait was that two years ago how long have we been doing this no no we're at like a year and okay, a okay. half yeah yeah wait no it says 2018 was the year it was released. So it may have came out in December and we saw it in January. That could be, yeah. Okay. So whatever. So different from that. Never mind. <laughs> God, I would have rather watched Insidious. I was again. having the exact same thought where I was like, you know, I thought that one was sort of at the bottom of the pile for yeah. me. 
and this one is worse. Although, with one caveat, this one isn't cringeworthy in the like sexism way that in, uh, Insidious was. So it doesn't have that one element that really pissed me right, off. But like, in but in terms of just a movie, Insidious Four, I would. It didn't make me just prefer that. I was like, I I didn't want to just be watching a white screen instead. <laughs> um, yeah, you didn't want to just fucking be dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a way to put it. Um, I was so. Mad. I, it, it's that not it that it cost I, seventeen dollars yeah. to see that movie. And here's it's not that I f- wanted to be dead. My experience, maybe that's how you think of it. I felt dead watching it. <laughs> that's how, how I put it for me. Yeah, yeah. Like you really missed out on life, or I'm like I'm somewhere else entirely. Like oh, I've I've crossed over and I've gone to some sort of horrible purgatory. Because yeah. at least hell, there'd be cool things to look at. Theoretically, yeah. Um, like Insidious 4, at least had cool things to look at. <laughs> finger keys. Key fingers. Okay, well, before we fin- continue this track thread, we gotta <laughs> go in order here. We start with the trailer, so here it is. Oh, One fuck. Trailer <laughs> for, uh, from 2020's The Grudge. Hello, it's Peter Spencer. I'm here about selling the house. Is anyone home? This is Detective Muldoon. This is Peter Spencer. Something happened to me at 44 Rayburn Drive. Someone was murdered at that house. Why did you never go into that place? Something never felt right about it. None of this means anything. Wait. (laughs) Are you talking about life? What do you... Is that... What do you... (laughs) Uh, none of the things that are in that trailer and also in the movie mean anything to uh, me. So then it was an accurate just trailer for the fucking, movie? Yeah, it's just fucking arbitrary, pointless bullshit to me. You're talking about the movie, not the trailer. Both. Right. So then the trailer did a good job yeah. of representing the movie. I, I mean, okay, our rating, okay, we should continue the train. I feel like I always got to give this disclaimer on the hate movies, Tim. I'm sorry. You know I got to do it. Because, <laughs> like, Tim and I, we liked The Eyes of My Mother. thought it was really solid. Definitely. Like, the director, writer-directors, uh, kind of film that put him on the scene, indie movie. He went on to do Piercing, which I want to see. Sounds cool. Is his uh, Giallo, Giallo hmm. homage film. Um, and then went on to do this film, which he rewrote a pre-existing script from the guy who wrote the Pet Cemetery remake. Oh. And we Did you had... see that one? No. Me neither. Oh, I thought you did. I was kind of kind of I wanted curious. to and then I heard it was 
trash. Right. That <laughs> we all, we, we almost it. saw it for the show. Yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, so I... Like, Nicholas Pesci seems like, you know, he's just one of the people I, I look at as, like, you know, want to look at these young dude filmmaker, horror filmmaker brothers in arms, like ourselves. I, I feel like I can defend him, actually, in this, yeah. in this movie. So, I'm not, I'm not mad at him, per se. And I did try to do... I'm like... I was like... I had to... When this ended, I'm like, okay, I gotta, like, read his interviews. I'm just trying to figure out exactly what was what, how it went so wrong mm-hmm. i guess i came down on that i mean we can pick this apart further that like maybe in there you could make like a better movie with the footage but what was so egregious to me is all the aspects that are just like the worst of worst of kind of like when all those like the stage six screen gems apologies to them too i like the people work at these places yada yada you know kind of thing but like just just like the, somebody the, the worst of like you know a lot in a lot of reviews the jump scare quote-unquote approach somebody is saying no no don't do that do this thing which is the jump scare that ends a scene and and like Somebody's saying somebody's saying that's what this has to be. Yeah, because and that person, whoever the fuck that person is, needs to fucking go away. And it, this feels I'm sorry, like, yeah. but like go do something else because that is not what people fucking want. Especially if the filmmaker's strengths are, you know, when it was just a moody, quiet movie is the other one that we've seen. Right. Like you can't expect someone like that who doesn't have that predisposition to like not even knowing how to work with the the jump scare sounds and all that stuff. We're going to even specify what we're talking about even more here, yeah. but but if you work if you work in 20 fucking 20, if you work in the horror genre and you don't know or you think that what people want are unfollowed through with jump scares. And what I mean by that is specifically the YouTube style version of a jump scare which is set up eerie jump scare go to black move on right to, to something else like it doesn't follow through with anything if you think that that's what people want because they, those youtube videos exist and get a lot of hits that you're wrong like they want that it in youtube they or don't it, want it in feature films it could equally be this is over talked about. We it's been talked about for the last five fucking years. But it could also equally be not just thinking that those work, but not knowing what does work. That sure. And it could also be I can defend the kind of like that style if it's something like Ash versus Evil Dead. It's a fun thing. It's 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 self aware. It's not trying to legitimately yeah. be like scary. You know, it's. Yeah, it's, but even that feels but, like those in that's a good example in Ash vs. Evil Dead. There's still a progression happening like that, you know, when it like splashes blood to like <laughs> move into the title uh, credits or whatever. Okay, well, we, we get it. I don't want to get into it. So we're going to pick it apart further. Exactly. It's like yeah. jump scares and more because we haven't even rated it and we still have our summary. Then we can then we have what worked. Then we can get into what didn't work. Okay. <laughs> 
but I did have to wrap up. So I guess this is all to say um, where we started, where I started with Nicholas Pesci. I'd be so curious to hear directly from you years down the line, the behind the scenes of this. None of this is shade thrown personally at anyone, at you. Um, I think it's shade thrown at the perpetuation of a idea that this thing is somehow desirable or effective. Yeah. However, that ended up going down. I'd be curious yeah, like to if it's know. one person, if it's a group think problem, whatever the fuck it's coming from, it's I I vehemently disagree. <laughs> Hashtag release the Pesci cut. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to live in a world of like release a, a thousand different movies cuts. So, Tim, mm-hmm. per our existing rating system, would you tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, rent it or buy it? I mean, I yeah, I have to say avoid it. I have to just because it's it's. <laughs> I was struggling. I'm like, do we have anything lower than avoid? Do we have like, <laughs> do we have kill yourself <laughs> travel back in time prevent it from being made do we have buy wow. the rights to the film oh, and like track down any physical and counterfeit copies and just eliminate it from existing though i guess you know we don't want to eliminate oh god I was, i'm sorry i just my brain was comparing it to the holocaust that's not right Whoa. <laughs> i said i was just to finish my sentence i know I'm sorry. i know what you're saying it's like you know could it, you go back and make it not happen or, kind of thing? erase it from history yeah yeah you don't do that sorry that was an extreme and appropriate no, example think... of like you, you at the same time we got to learn from these things yeah. and sometimes things have to reach their absolute absolute worst before mm-hmm. the world collectively says no more in a way it's sort of a funny cap even though we saw it in this new decade it's a sort of it was obviously made in the last decade and it's kind of a funny cap of just a fucking shitty decade i mean it's kind of reflective of just like if the the world at large is sort of like whatever we are doing is not working yet people have been pretending it is yeah and now you know that that gets us in it's in Stuff only gets worse until we sort of actually act on how bad it is. Yeah, and this is there's some power that be, whatever it, whoever or whatever it is that's that's going. No, 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 no. It, this is how we, it should go. Yeah, and they're fucking wrong, and they've been wrong. So, so yeah. So our, we both say avoid it, and I kind of my I try to put what so many different ways to like try to put my in review summary. You know why it's mm. avoid it for me. I arrived at like, well, for context, like how bad this was for me. I, the, 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 the other most, the other most least, the other, like the, uh, my other <laughs> least favorite uh, movie going experiences ever were ever? <laughs> in 2016 when I saw Why Him. I don't even know what that is. It's James Franco, Brian Cranston, Zoe Deutsch. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the shitty boyfriend movie. Yeah, I saw. I think I saw. I don't think I finished it, it but was, I saw part it of it. It just like you know made me feel gross as like a person, <laughs> like in like uh, gross is you know yeah a lot whatever worse of a word I'm not thinking of. But then the the last other time was I felt this horrible in a theater and just wanted to be gone or watching a white screen. Um. <laughs> was in 2003 a horror film called Darkness Falls which was like I the tooth I saw, fairy 
movie. Oh, 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 right, right, right. I just think of it as the Tooth Fairy movie. <laughs> it's called Darkness Falls. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. It's the only other time. Those are the only other two times <sighs> that I've been, that I think I've like viscerally hated a film this much. And maybe but, uh, their goal was to fucking just burn this this franchise to the ground so that it never gets fucking remade. No, I, I really think it was just a doubling down on what doesn't work because they're so desperate. Yeah. Whoever the they are, that made it turn out so bad. So, But then this is even worse than Darkness Falls, why him, my experience, because it's got that added layer of like, it's almost as if Darkness Falls was the like, me and seeing it in high school was the, this is... This is just the start of the whole like stupid, you know, jump scare sound effect, mm. wall to wall, just not scary, scary movie thing. And now it's taken us until 2020 for that to reach ahead. And the fact that it is a that reaching its head just made it that much more just kind of unfathomable and egregious. Like my how I felt during it. Like, oh, and this is the fact, like, we remember when we said, so we were like, okay, Tim, maybe we should see it because it's a unique case. It's like a remake of a right. remake or whatever. And it was our heads just kind of instantly spun in this like horrible, like, oh God, that's just like yeah. further than a, a snake eating its tail kind of conundrum of chittiness. It's right. just this like so far gone-ness where it's like we should have known yeah it's like okay if so if like a remake the grudge remake in 2004 it's like okay it kind of works maybe because it's like just reusing these elements it's not actually as good as the original that kind of thing you gotta have i'll defend the ring i think gore verbinski brought a lot unique to it i I I just rewatched it it's good but um anyway yeah just sort of like what i said this is just further down that bad path but like my my example my that i like felt how this felt to me of what all that is was like like imagine like you're almost in the best example i think it was like you're in the sunken place (laughs) zone where it's just this horrible like non-existent like no chance kind of thing and you're just falling and, and that little window of of your escape is gone and like maybe that 2004 remake and darkness falls and whatever that represents was like a little ledge that you could just kind of grasp onto <laughs> that like there was still semblance of tricking people that it was still okay that you're still maybe going to be okay that you aren't totally sunken maybe you can leverage yourself up and get out of there god but then this was just like now like now whatever that was on the walls yeah, no, this was just no like now you're just nothing there's not even butter to grasp onto this was God. like you've now lost that little little platform you've been yeah. holding onto in those the, the circa 2000s Ugh. and and 2000 teens 20 teens this is just like a new era it better not go any further tim it will i'm just like feeling just confused desperate like it's trapped you know what it makes me feel like it makes me feel like i should be a fucking like studio executive who gets to be like no what the fuck are you guys doing this is not good make it better (laughs) yeah i don't know i just don't i think part of me like intellectually tries to understand how this happens but at the end of the day, with a movie like like this one in particular, it just totally reeks of a filmmaker really trying to do 
two things to to toe two lines one being like make something actually worthwhile and that they are into and be constrained or beholden to somebody higher up saying you have to do x y and z like yeah some kind of desperate like attempt to and they can't quote unquote fix it right and they can't they are either unable to contractually or you know just interpersonally or whatever the thing that is is preventing them as the filmmaker from putting their foot down and being like fuck off you hired me to make a movie i'm gonna make it this way now i even part of me even feels a little bit with this one that he might have made a fucking movie that was fine and they then said, okay, well, now we're going to edit it the way we want it to be. As I could see them, like, as soon as whatever first scare happens, and, like, let's just say in this hypothetical Pesci cut, it was like there was no, you know, sound or right. with the ghost walking by camera. I could see it, like, them just like, what if we added a little? Yeah. And then it was off to the races. Yep. Yeah. It feels like... Some fucking producer or whoever took the cut and then went back into the editing room with another editor and said, here's how we're going to make this movie. And they just said, we want this here and that there and this here and make sound effect and do a jump scare and don't worry about it cutting to black because who gives a shit? Just move on to the other segment. And, you know, look, giving Pesci the benefit of the doubt, if if he was okay with that i'd love to ask him why you know if he if he was the one who was having a hand in that and and being okay with that style or that version then i'd love to know why Uh, everything i've read like about then his interviews and i almost put this in what worked i'll just save it for things of note but as far as his approach just seemed spot on yeah i like it it felt like it had bones of you know what the original at least the one that i saw the the japanese third one second yeah third third one one. um you know the construct and kind of the like broad uh what do you call that style or sort of like structural style Mm -hmm. you know that was kind of there it's like a yeah pseudo anthology slash protagonist yeah so i i've you know I don't know. I, and yeah, no, and I mean, well, again, we'll get into it later, but we yeah. got to go to... Uh, okay, we have to do a summary. <laughs> all this is to say, Tim and I, I think, give it our strongest avoid yeah. we've ever given or can give. It's true. All right. Well, how would you summarize this fine film? Okay. So... Sorry, that was so... Ready? <laughs> fine film. Ladies in Japan, at the house? The house from the other movies? Or is it a different house? It's supposed to be the house from but the two thousand. But it's 2000- not the actual house. It's either. Oh. It's supposed to be from the two thousand. This is supposed to be a side quill to the two thousand four and two thousand six Grudge and Grudge Two with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Right, because it's two thousand four. Yeah. So she leaves. And two thousand six. It like I, jumps. I, I, we'll get into that okay. later. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, so. <laughs> Okay, 2004, Lady leaves a, a house and, you know, the spirit, de- demon, takes evil the grudge spirit with her. takes, you know, follows her to the States and she goes to her house and she kills her family because of the fucking curse. And then 
uh, a detective uh, moves into town and her husband has just died of cancer and her partner um, that she gets up with has had a case at this house that they have a new case at and people are killing each other or dying and they're trying to figure out why. But also we jump in time back to the realtor who uh, who helped sell the house to the woman from Japan and her family and he has a wife and she's pregnant and that baby probably has uh, ALD, which is a bad genetic disorder to have and not a good outlook. And, um, and the family that moves in after those two other families to the same house on Rayburn Street. The Mathesons. The Mathesons. The realtors were the Spencers. The original family that brought it over were the Landers. And now we're on to the elderly couple, the Mathesons. Yep. Um, the wife has some form of dementia and they call in a assisted suicide person. Um, and the three of them antics ensue because the curse still exists and then they all die and then we have also the kind of you could say fourth story the cop Muldoon sure right which you know I mentioned she's moved into town and she's got a son and her husband has died of cancer recently and uh, she's kind of trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with this house and then each one of their stories just ends up with death from the grudge I guess yeah yeah and in this case, they're just kind of like zombie ghost things, or they can also like appear as other people. Yeah, that's true. There's lots of different things they can do. Sometimes they're the normal looking version of the dead person. Sometimes they're the dead version of the dead person. Sometimes they're somebody they else that they the the person who's seen them knows, and then it, and then suddenly it's. A demon. I can't tell. Maybe it's like intentionally ambiguous, but maybe like there was more of an element in this one than the other ones of like, you know, when the the cop is like crazy and staring outside of the house and is obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. Is that like just a him being human and reacting to this situation? Or is that like the grudge curse itself? Or is that supposed to be scary in its ambiguity? Well, there's a little there's a little aspect of obsessionism with the house because multiple people kind of seem to get a little wrapped up and obsessed with yeah. what's going on like the realtor guy kind of he he's a little like it's probably the weakest with him but he keeps going back to the house because he has to get something signed in, but he just keeps going and Sadako, so he seems a little preoccupied in sadako versus kayako the ring grudge mashup it's uh they they explicitly stay with one of the say with one of the characters uh, she is drawn to the grudge sure. house yeah so that's kind of happening because then the old cop who is the new cop's partner's old partner wow unwrap that and the new cop both seem to be very preoccupied with the house and then the the cop Muldoon. Uh, played by Andrea Riseborough from Mandy. Yep. She burns it down, the house down. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking matter. Because none of it did. Right. Do you remember, I just like, I was just so mad and I had a headache and like <laughs> it was cold in there. 
And I just like stormed out as soon as the first credit came on. Yeah. I swear I heard someone behind us go. Maybe it wasn't in reference to me. It could have been, but I just heard someone behind us go, I swear. Wasn't that bad. <laughs> do, do you, it was pretty bad. Do you remember that? Though? I, I didn't hear that okay. explicitly, but I remember hearing people murmur and shit when the credits rolled. <laughs> All right. Should we do our first section, Tim? <laughs> Sure. All right. Half hour later. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? It's not completely void of of something. You just want to go with what you got, and I'll go with what I got. Yeah. Like these. This is a really good cast to be honest. And they're all acting well. So I'm, I'm cool with that. And it looks fine. Like I think the tone is cool. Like a a visual tone, not the movie's tone. Agree with the cast. Kind of agree about how it's shot. Um, I'm not even talking about actually how it's shot. I'm talking about the palette. That's what I mean. Actually. I think that is what I mean. The palette I'm cool with. The palette, I think, in the context of such a terrible film, just made itself bad. That's how I saw it. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's like they can't. It it felt like, what are you even trying? It's like, why are you even bothering to, like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Um, And then I agree that the performances were good, but. Well, uh, or the, the, the actors the, are good actors and did yes. a good job, but I can't say in the context of the film, it worked. No, that's true. I guess what I'm what. OK, so to be more specific, what worked for me is the casting. Agreed. <laughs> Only <laughs> agreed. Casting decisions. Um, and the color palette. Actually, the inv- the uh, setting, I like the setting. It worked for me. Pennsylvania is a fucking damp place. What worked for me was when I got excited just seeing, even though it like wasn't the one from the original Japanese ones, I just got excited seeing someone exit the grudge house in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then there was the shot of the dog looking happy. I liked that. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to move on if you are. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, uh, God, is there anything else? I have lots of other things that almost went in this section. But again, those just ended up being commending for like intentions which i decided on isn't the end result of the movie like i'm sorry you know i can't count it right wow there really is not anything else unless their goal was to make me laugh in quiet desperation of just i'd i had like reached my limit of being mad that I had to just fucking laugh like and it's not even a real laugh it's an exasperated like oh my god Tim I think I can tell you that 
pretty assuredly that that wasn't their intention. Oh, okay. Then it didn't work for me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. Okay, what just made me reach my breaking point, like we already kind of brought it up, was just these, we were kind of referring to them as jump scares, but to specify a bit more, I already mentioned it briefly, but just they were incessant, blanketed across the whole film. It was just an utter onslaught of the whooshes, boomers, ahs, whatever those. It's like they they dug into their vault and just used every single one. It yep. doesn't matter. Like a, like a, a, someone walks on screen, they turn around, just all that. Just like just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it was like it felt like that's why I felt like I was drowning. It, it was just this. Mo- it was <laughs> yeah. just this malaise. Yeah. And it's like even people who like those or those people who execute them, it's like they they lost sight of the idea that even just to do a jump scare or have one of those sounds be effective at all, you have to stagger them and pace them. Mm-hmm. This was just the soundtrack, not even just the music I'm referring to, but like literally the track of sound. The whole movie was just those effects. Mm-hmm. And then from like, yeah, it was, that's what made me like totally just feel in this emotional state of like, I've lost sense of time and place of like where this movie is at any given point. It would be interesting, I think, to track it because it, it felt to me, you know, generally you sort of say, this is a broad general thing, but like you say, you know, every 10 to 12 minutes, like... It's a good, that's a good sort of sequence of time to, to use as your cycle in a movie, 10 to 12 minutes, eight to 12 minutes, somewhere in there where you have, you can build some stuff up. You can kind of crescendo up to a point. You can get, you know, a beginning, middle and end feel to the sequence of time. And, and, and it's, it's pleasing to us as viewers. I would, I mean, I don't know, but it'd be interesting to look because it's felt to me like this one cycle was about three minutes and it was a three minute, like little serial moment and disjointed because they have multiple stories going on. So you, you, you get with one character for about three minutes, jump scare. Then you're into another character's story for about three minutes, jump scare. I just and it can't just even, was I don't nonstop. Know, but maybe, but that's why I was trying to broaden it and say it's not just jump scares. It's well, these little I mean, sounds. That, yeah. Because that, that, that was I'm every... I'm using that as a catch-all That was term. every five seconds. <laughs> if, it was, was every, it every, much, every three seconds. It was just like for someone to walk across a room. Right, right. They couldn't do it without... Yeah. <sighs> but it, to me, it really <sighs> is the construct of these youtube videos like that that's what what are these youtube videos so like remember the lights out youtube video it's that it's that construct where it's like okay person's walking through a place and it's like eerie music and then they turn on the light or turn off the light and they see a thing it's like but i just see this and then it crescendos up to this moment of like and then blackout but this is just more that direct evolution of like the jump scare in like darkness falls again like this is i think this is outside i mean i think you can relate it to those youtube videos but just as far as like a filmic 
evolution, how we got to where we were. I just, I, I, I see well, more of the direct I, line there. Yeah, I think that the, the, we're we're a little bit talking about the same circle mm-hmm. where it's like the darkness falls things led to the YouTube things. And now we're back to the darkness falls things, but they've been influenced by the YouTube things that were influenced by the darkness falls things. So it's like, it's all the same circle <laughs> of bullshit. But like from the opening of this. Oh, can we talk about the opening for a second? So, well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hang on a second. Yeah. This weird text scroll that comes up at the very beginning. Do you remember this? No, that's what I was going to talk about. Oh, good. Because it is bizarre. It's well, so it was so weird. I mean, it just was sort of like indicative of everything. Like it's so far from like the original first eerie grudge movie where it's just like, I think it's just like a quiet, like white on black kind of like in that very J horror style, just like say what it is up front. Mm-hmm. So then, but then that lets the imagination go as far as yes, but how does that look? How does that play right. out? That's scary. This was just that, that feeling I described that the whole movie was, it was there from this opening title of like yeah. the grudge explanation. Basically first, it, it just made it seem like the most, rather than a kind of ominous setup, it was just only show, don't tell or tell, don't tell, just tell, don't, don't show. Don't show yeah. <laughs> um, where it was like, rather than anything eerie or ominous, it was just, wah, 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 psh, 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 bah, 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 this is exactly. It. And you were just like, what? It didn't feel like it made any sense either. It was like five different sentences that I was like, are those connected to anything? Because it just, I don't, what am I even reading? It came in and out really awkwardly. Like the timing was weird and it just felt like, So that was just perfectly indicative of the movie as a whole. But you go even to the first 12 frames of this film, I went, oh no, it's bad. (laughs) Because the sound, the music that came on, it was this, this, the chintziest kind of like, like it was kind of the horror music just with the very first whatever the first title card Mm -hmm. was god and then you see those shots of japan and i got kind of excited but it was quickly that was like what 30 seconds (laughs) not even probably but yeah i actually that's an interesting point when they shot the cityscape of japan and like on the streets i was like oh this feels older like it, it's a st- old style and the ca- like maybe the camera or the lens they were using or whatever like just felt you know it felt cool and cool yeah and that feel of those very very like just second long shots it was more in line with his like um the sort of observational quiet eyes mm-hmm. of my mother yeah feel but then we jump to the house and suddenly the image is much much different it's mm-hmm. like a, clearly a a modern image mm-hmm. uh, so I was like oh well okay I guess <laughs> we're not doing goes. that other thing yep um, and then she <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm generally pretty put off by like inhuman behavior and what I mean by that is like in real life people I just don't buy people like this is such a like a telling an actor to do a thing like you walk out of the house and you turn around and you look at the house and you just kind of go, eh, yeah. And you stand there for a minute contemplative. It's like, we don't do that really. And so I just, I'm immediately just kind of bleh, out. And then the garbage bag moved and I was like, oh, it's, you know, the only kind t- of interesting. The only time in my life I can think of when I actually did that, I'm sure there have been others, was uh, 
when I was in Tokyo and went to see the grudge house. And when I said goodbye, I just have to keep looking behind my shoulder wistfully and say goodbye to it. Yeah. But it, 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 it belies, I think the context of that moment for this character, right? Like, what are we supposed to think about her leaving this house? Cause it feels like she's kind of bemused and like, well, on to the next thing. And is that how she's supposed to be feeling? Like, did she just, what the fuck j- is she coming out of? Is she coming out of there? Cause the, she was working a case and it was disturbing or like, what the fuck is she connected to the other movie? The, the I 04 so. movie? I'm, I'm guessing is she so. a character from it? I don't know. I, and if so, I guess then the she sequel. must've seen some fucked up shit. So why the fuck she got that smirk on her face? Tim, you know what I mean? I, I, I do. So I mean, like, I, I don't. I think this is all too like granular <laughs> and specific for me to kind of like. Well, I guess I'm sort of setting the stage of just like my the, my opening moments just being like, this is all feels fucking what the fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so once we get into the meat of the movie or what what I what I thought would be the meat of the movie, which is Muldoon's story. Right. I actually was kind of like, all right, I love a mystery. Let's mm-hmm. figure, let's watch her try to figure it out. And if you're going to do that, have her go, like the best mystery, like detective novels I've read all do a very similar thing. They basically red herring the fuck out of the lead detectives, like uh, trajectory. And they keep thinking they know what's going on and and going down the wrong paths. But ultimately, all of the wrong paths add up to them having a moment of like, oh, fuck, it's this. And that's a really fun construct. And I was like, ooh, we're going to get to see this detective kind of do that and have it affect her life personally. And ultimately, we'll get to go on the journey of figuring out what this grudge thing is through her eyes cool i'm into it that is not this movie mm-hmm. and it's it, it effectively ended up being her just reading files and then flashing to the content of those files but not but more because we get to see the the actual people well, doing stuff at any given I'm point like, i don't I couldn't care. I couldn't tell you what was like happening or why they were i i just didn't there were i was ne- at no point was i wondering what's gonna happen next that's right, because they tell you what's going on before anybody has to wonder what's going on. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. You you mean as far as setting up what the grudge is? Well... Because, again, no, that worked for me in the originals. No, as far as, like... So, for example, we are told right off the bat that there is this entity doing stuff, right? We know that. And she doesn't, Muldoon doesn't. So that's kind of okay. Um, and then and then her and her partner go to the car that's in the woods and the, the body that's been there for a while. And then they ID the body right away and say, oh, this was this assisted suicide woman who last was at the, the Rayburn house. And that's how, that's our. I didn't even get that's who that was. I was just. That's too... our inciting incident, right? That's <laughs> that... sort of where we jump off. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> so the problem with that is that you just told me 
essentially who the person is, uh, how, why they're in the area, where they came from, and what they were doing there. You gave me their fucking profession. So, so when we eventually get to the sequence where we're meeting the Mathisons, we already know what the fuck's going to happen. There is absolutely no mystery so, to it. But it, it can work in horror. So I'm just I'm saying this then here why it's still not working to pick it apart further. But you can do in horror, you do the thing, you set up this person is going to die, and then the horror is in that suspense of, like, how exactly it plays out. That's right. But they don't even give us the, an opportunity to wonder that because the guy just says, oh, there must have been some – it looks like there was somebody in there with her. And so we we know then it's the grudge ghost. So th- Right? Like, it's So rather it's than irrelevant. just being like, there's this something weird about this or just this – this person died we don't know how that's right so here's how you do that it's really fucking simple stop giving us so much information only piece of information we should have gotten from that car is a fucking piece of paper which existed that had the address the 44 rayburn address on it that's it nothing else we should not get any other information then we get to sort of start to wonder well, why was she there in the first place? What was she doing? Why was she driving away so crazy? Why was she on this back road instead of a normal road? Like we get to ask all those questions, but they answered all those questions in the first fu- in, in that scene in the beginning. You were so when it comes back around, I don't give a fuck. I already know why. You were uh, you're much more. I don't know, not forgiving viewer, but I had already checked out at this point. I didn't even care. <laughs> I was still I, what? I mean, I was attentive. I just, this, again, I get it you. all comes back to me with that style. I just couldn't pay attention to anything. Like, give, it was, us a, give us a fucking the, reason to wonder. The malaise is the best word right. again, I, how it all felt like to me. Like her bones are broken, broken in weird ways and like have the coroner be like, Hey, I just, you know, later have the coroner come in and be like, okay, I've done my report and I gotta be honest, like... This is fucked up. Like a car, the way that car crashed, and the way like it wasn't really a a, a crash that would um, cause this type of injury. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it. Have a bunch of people who are experts going scratching their fucking head, going, "I can't explain this. There's something up." Don't have the then Muldoon after she's been giving all the information anyway, go to the house, walk into the house and meet fucking Mrs. Matheson with no hand. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, the, again, now I've been given all the information. She's nuts. She went nuts. She killed her fucking husband and she cut her fingers off. Like when we come back around and see her chopping her fingers off, who gives a fuck? I already know she did that. Right. They keep doing this thing. So it's it's a completely ineffective way of doing it. So to your point, I'm I am not surprised you had a malaise because it's just like okay, I got the information and like right. who gives a shit? Well, the malaise showing the yeah. bathtub over and over again. It's not like some sort of surprise when we find out that Matilda or whatever the fuck Melinda, the daughter. <laughs> Was drowned in the bathtub. That's not a fucking surprise because you've been showing me the fucking bathtub that she was drowned in over and over. We get it. Yeah. There's no, there is absolutely nothing to discover in this movie. I think that was a good explanation for why at no point was I wondering what was going to happen. (laughs) That's right. Fuck a duck, dude. Come on. It was just so unpleasant too. Like, I can't, like how I said, I couldn't even... 
I couldn't even say, oh, because I like these actors, I enjoyed that about it because I just felt so bad for everyone in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I hope they're getting like money than that they need it. And I just like all like I felt bad. Like, like they're selling it like, you know, it seemed like people actors have a strict, strict stance on like what they choose. No commercials or something like just that. Whatever mm-hmm. that personally means to an actor to not be selling their soul for lack of a better way of putting it. Like, I just felt bad for everyone. Yeah. And it just made me feel gross on top of just how gross I already felt. Yeah, I hear that. Even, like, Insidious, it's like, I could say, these movies are just not for me, and, like, Lin Shay is just doing exactly what this movie is trying to be, and people enjoy it, and, like, fine. Mm-hmm. This, no, I just felt it was just another layer of how awful I felt watching it. How fucking weird was it to have them do this this thing of like the throwing 2004 up on the screen and then immediately after going to 2006 and then going back to 2004, like throwing that up on the screen. It just made it more confusing somehow. I was like, why and what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Holy shit. Stop. Stop showing me the fucking Rayburn Street sign. Yeah. They showed that like eight fucking times. I know what street we're on. <laughs> in like even one of the little interviews is like with John Cho. He's like, there's like, who's your character? And he's like, oh, play a realtor of a uh, 44 Rayburn Street. It's like he had to say that the street and address. Holy shit. It's just there over and over and over again. What the fuck? <laughs> I honest, I don't know how else to you know what didn't work for me either in the final sequence when she goes to burn the house down the fucking interior light of her car is on and it stays on the whole time it just annoys me but like so what I know <laughs> in the it's just like it's just like one more fucking thing to be annoyed with <laughs> That's what I don't, I can't, I don't know how to. Also, you know what also annoys me? If you're going to fucking gasoline a fucking house, you don't start pouring gasoline out at the front door. You go to the fucking top floor and you work your way back down. They Otherwise did. you're covered in fucking gasoline. You're walking around in it. Really? That's what they did. Yeah. She walks in and just starts sloshing it around yeah. all like right away and then goes up the stairs. You don't fucking slosh in front of you. You back out. I was just so on. far beyond caring about details. Again, just because of this overall, <laughs> the just yeah. feel of it, because of these stupid swooshes and boomers and ahs and oohs and honks and he's and whells and roofs, all that. The hand coming out of the back of his head is not interesting. Right? Like when he's taking a shower. We saw that in the other movie. It's like we're waiting. Why are we I doing was just it? waiting for the moment to be over. Yeah. It was incredible. Because Here's here's like my experience. Why like I, I say like, you know, I keep bring up all those sound effects and the, the, the jump scare ones. It was incredible because all those essentially made my experience. So like even in Insidious Last Four Key, those jump scares, because we were in an equally loud theater, mm. I would jump and we would just be mad. And we were mad then about like, yeah, great. So you play a loud noise and I jump like whoop-de-doo. Right. Whatever fun that that might be, even though it's not really like does anything for me, that wasn't even happening. It was crazy to be sitting there because because of all the sound effects leading up to those. Yeah. It's just that effect. It doesn't yeah. even make you jump when the actual jump happens. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it before, but there is a really good I don't know what it's called, but there is a YouTube video that breaks down why jump scares 
do and don't work and like how to do it right and how they're misused constantly. Right. And it's like it, it, one of the main things they say is don't fucking do them early in the movie. You do them like once early to prime you and then you do not do them for a fucking while. This is just onslaught. Above beyond that, too, like I have to think this is what I want to give Nicholas Pessy the benefit of the doubt and that there are other hands in this because you have to like like what's that that filmmaker um who did um Blue Ruin and stuff has such a good oh hand- he's so good he has I such don't know his a name, good but... handle on where our modern expectations are for the sort of surprise moment to happen yep. yeah so you he, have to if you're gonna do this shit you have to at least subvert the expectations right, so you, some of the time I know so so you and I Tim I'm sure and I bet the other dozen people or six people whoever was in there in our theater that. <laughs> All the jump scares, you and I could have like, you know, yeah, we could have point. I was internally pointing exactly where they yep. happened, and they happened. Yep, I agree. Every time one was going to happen, I was like, the, I got got on the first one, I think. And you, I remember you. I looked over at you, and you were just, you were like, you had taken your glasses off, and you had roll, you were like rolling your eyes, and then rubbing your forehead because you're just, and like shaking your head, you're just like, fuck this. And I remember just thinking, and oh, and you, you, you muttered, <laughs> you fucking like your eyes are closed, and you're rubbing your forehead, and you're shaking your head, and you just go, cheap. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Oh, dude, it was classic. (laughs) So then every time we get to a moment that is setting that up, it happens. So I knew I was just like, well, I'm not going to get God again. It was just like watching things happen. But it wasn't just watching. It was watching things happen that made me feel terrible. Again, I'd rather been watching a white screen. Haven't felt that way since Why Him? And then before that darkness falls. (laughs) It's so fucking dumb. This jumping around was so mis-executed. Uh, in like from a well-attentioned place, but that's that's right. I'm like we, yeah. I guess I already said it, but like jumping to giving too much information early on ruined everything. You know, like then when we cut back to the Muldoon detective, like doing her research and trying to like figure out what the fuck's going on. I'm I'm like, well, you just read what's going on. What are you what are you wondering about? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's no carrot and stick mm-hmm. at all. For her character, it's like I guess she sort of wants to just get more information, but all of the information is at her hands. She has access to all of it. So she's just going through it. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit then? Like, give her a fucking obstacle. Her Make her partner not like her. He's, like, really nice to her mm-hmm. until he's not later in the movie. I literally feel like the movie is backwards. Turn the movie completely around and it might actually sequentially work. Because mm-hmm. you go, what the fuck? Like, why are they doing this? What's happening? Why are they fucking, go, like, so pissed at each other? And, like, then you find out what the fuck. But... Jesus. This is this is why we have you, Tim. Props for you for being able to follow it this closely. <laughs> uh, it, it, there are elements that almost, like, I get why they're there. The movie, every character is grieving in a way. And that's cool. Great. Let's lean in on that and have us care 
about their experience in grieving. We don't get that at all. Like everybody's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm grieving. Sort of sucks. But also this grudge grudge things happening. I never thought I'd feel so little watching a pregnant woman get murdered. Right? (laughs) The effect, doing the effect where he like flits across the screen to kill her pissed me off. Whoever, I I just, we just keep blaming this unknown entity and we just, whoever that is, they did that. Here's the thing. And maybe there's more to this. Um, the, the, uh, these are real things, right? Like in real life, mothers kill their kids. That That's a thing that does happen in real life. It's super fucked up. In real life, husbands kill their pregnant wives. That's a fucking real thing. In real life, you know, husbands try to have their, their dementia uh, wives or vice versa you know, assisted suicide, even though they cannot ha- like make that decision for themselves. These are all real things that happen. And we got the fucking lamest, most unfucking caring version of all of those things because they just say, oh, well, they're just doing it because of the curse. How about we see them do it and not know that they're being provoked by the curse? And that's fucking horror. And then the detective has to figure out why these fucking people have done these awful, the worst things that you can do. They've done it. And the detective has to figure out why. And she leads to figuring out, oh, my God, maybe it's this supernatural thing. That doesn't make any fucking sense. And then the supernatural shit can start happening to her. And she has to defend that. The thing that she does not believe exists in the world. That's a fucking story. This is just here, have all the information because you've seen the other grudge movies and like, you know, it's a fucking scary ghost that jumps out. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. They weren't even scary ghosts. They were just weird zombie things. <laughs> That's, I know. <laughs> How far from the, the the iconic white ghost grudge things too? Like, I guess. Cool. Just because they were pale-ish? I don't know Maybe maybe that's just as a fan of the original I'm coming from, but so they is the filmmaker. Al- they almost did. They they tiptoed around, and this is what makes me think that there's a different movie that was intended. The unraveling of the of Muldoon's credibility and psyche is is there's like one scene that sort of is that, and we go, oh, cool, great, and then she's in the basement and she's watching the or listening to the tapes, and then she sees somebody and she sees him on the tape, uh, the videotape, and then shows that videotape to the other cop, and then the guy on the videotape is no longer there, so she's like, holy shit, like I'm losing my mind. Let's watch her lose her mind over this case. Yeah, please. Instead, she gets a dog licking her fucking ankle once. <laughs> What was that? Oh, you're over there? Okay, end of scene. God, I really did just... I mean, I'm remembering it now. I really did just already block out as much as I could. (laughs) Uh, God. uh, Can we go on? Yeah, let's just fucking move on. Because I'll just trash every other scene in the movie that I can remember. (laughs) I'm okay. Are you sure you You get the gist. You get it. Forever, hold your peace. Any last... It's out of order. It's poorly executed. It's fucking insulting. Uh, It's a disservice to the fucking actors that you put in it. 
And um, I don't think it's Pesci's fault necessarily, but I'd love to talk to him about it. Me too. If you set out to make a quote-unquote realistic horror movie, don't blanket it with stupid sound effects. And the end is shit. (laughs) Next uh, section. (laughs) Things of note. Like it was interesting to read about their his intentions going in, Nicholas Pesci's mm-hmm. intentions going in. So just for some of what that was, um, he like I give props like again for the going with the kind of uh, uh, atypical ensemble narrative, like you mm-hmm. know, kind of the originals have. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> He was okay. Here's some, some, maybe I'll give you some quotes and more stuff. Just let me just read some stuff off. Okay. Well, he compared it to, you know, um, like the, the Hill House Netflix show saying, you know, wanted to have it be where, you know, wanting character drama, like use that real life drama, kind of like you just said of those extreme situations. Mm -hmm. So he's coming from that place in this interview with Fortune. He said, I'm obsessed with David Lynch, too. And what he does so amazingly is that while you might not have any idea what the fuck is going on in terms of story, you're steeped in this mood and atmosphere that makes you such feel such specific things that almost help you follow the story. What I love about horror is that you can use all this atmosphere, tone and style to steep the audience in this mood so that when you do scare them, they're already keyed up for reasons they can't quite put their finger on. To me, the cultivation of the look is all about that. So I guess talking about a lot of the look of it and, you know, also addressed pacing and mood. Um, But like, yeah, he said, so use the atmosphere, tone and style to steep the audience in the mood. As we already said, that that exact atmosphere, tone and style was just sound effects blanketed throughout the whole thing. Those silly, silly boomers. Another another reason to think that maybe what he intended on was to have none of that sound shit. And they got fucking they you know, railroaded him and put it in. He said, um, there was just no way I was going to make an easy, fun grudge movie. Again, what it seemed like it was forced into being. Mm-hmm. Pesci explains, speaking to Fortune by phone, it was always going to be this intense, brutalist sort of nightmare. Then don't do it in the style of Darkness Falls, people. <laughs> <laughs> He, and I give props to him. Like I, I, I really identified with him having this cool opportunity. Like Jesus, if I was gave me the opportunity to make a grudge movie, how cool he did the stuff. He did his research. He like, mm-hmm. you know, listed off all. He read like all the ancillary comic books. Played the Wii video game. <laughs> even did like an homage to a moment in the Wii video game. Nice. He, it was very important to him to make it all like in canon, so to speak. Like. I get stuff that just got me, you know, hopeful for this movie. Yeah. In the originals, you've seen all of them, right? Uh, I told, I couldn't make it through the white ghost, black oh, ghost, well, whatever. But and so no, you've there's seen actually the... a lot out there I forgot about too. There's like, um, no, wait, those are ring ones. Never mind. So okay, so the impetus for this whole franchise is that one person gets un gets murdered which is horrible right and their spirit is the thing that's coming after people 
and the spirit is attached to the house. Yeah, it's and then whoever enters the house is then cursed. Okay. So I feel like there's a little bit of a opportunity to expand on that and also a like flaw in that because unless look for me personally like if a curse is going to happen like you generally want somebody to have a reason to be cursed not just walking into a house like what a bummer dude like that's like you know making a movie about people who happen to walk across the street at the wrong time get hit by a bus Mm -hmm. fucking it's just a bummer Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything it's just unlucky so I feel like there's an opportunity this isn't a worked or didn't work thing for me it's just a you know contemplative thing like can we move that around a little bit in a way that is purposeful and interesting and like actually has meaning play with that um that rule of once you enter the house yeah yeah don't in think what they ended up doing is they they shoehorned that rule well they shoehorned the characters into abiding by that rule that's not good they shoehorned in other words abiding by that they said okay here's the rule you can only be affected by this curse if you step foot in the new house in pennsylvania and so then they had to find ways to force these characters to step into the house so that the rule applied to them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess that's fine. That's a caveat like that you have to or a conceit that you have to make. And I guess I'm thinking, too, what the approach was is kind of interesting as far as they say, like comparing it to a disease that spreads because, you know, the originals that you sort of centered around the house is where this horrible murder actually maybe this is to where it's different and it's i don't know it's, it's sort of maybe where the rules get a little messy yeah. because this one was acting on like the originals it's like this is the house where this horrible horrible murder happened and then people go in it and they get the grudge because the grudge exists there so this is saying then that they she took the grudge to a new house to a new house and then but then that murder that was then committed because of the grudge was horrific enough to make a new grudge right uh, you could make that i think you could make that jump because but i don't think th- that's what the movie is but trying that's how to do. it would have to work according to oh right because it, it because the the daughter has become the new grudge ghost i guess, I guess so so sure but i guess i'm kind of backtracking here but what it makes me realize is that they fucked up if that's the rule that then you have to have the detective learn that that might be a rule and then go into the house anyway i think what would have been cool is like by accident or by you know because she had to and and that's a decision we see her have to make but I don't know. I would have like if you have to set it here in the U.S. and uh, like if you're setting it outside of the original Grudge House, I think what would have been cool as a way to tie it into the original franchise is you know, give them an excuse to go to Japan. You you have it so some horrible murder. But that's basically it's basically do it like it's a haunted house movie. And that's what yeah. the Grudge is. So just have it so it's like this horrible murder happens at this place completely outside of 
someone having a grudge, then they sort of learn about this recent Sarah Michelle Keller case or whatever. And like sure. someone gets a tip, they have right. to like investigate, either go there or just it's referenced. There mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like, okay, this is, yeah, a haunted house movie set in the grudge universe where this is the rule. Then that way we actually have the sort of very clear association with this house. Right. That's what felt kind of weird and always just kind of like it didn't give it that weight yeah you could make some sort of connective thread too it could be it could be i mean it, obviously they didn't give fuck about abiding by anything so let's let's make up a rule or make up a, a story element that connects two things that's that's just kind of fun um yeah. the architect of the house in japan built the same built the house in pennsylvania it's the same architect <laughs> i don't know but whatever that, that's that's a different movie though that's like a different franchise of like that's just a different haunted house movie entirely i think sure because again that's not the grudge is a grudge happens because a horrible murder no happens. i agree so you combine the two things is what i'm saying is that you say that the reason that the house that the uh because murders happen in houses all the time right like and grudge ghosts don't come out of no, that. that's what i'm saying you make it so the rule is that that is what happens i mean because that is what the grudge oh. is yeah that's the that's this world it's it's i see the Man, whole there'd be a lot of fucking grudge ghosts yeah, around that's the whole that's the okay. whole premise of it is that you know and that's that's why it's scary is playing off that real life thing of like you know a murder happened in a house you get an unsettling feel sure you, now this is extrapolating that into horror haunted territory yeah so you don't need her to come from japan no like whatever <laughs> like it's yeah it's, i get where you're coming it's from different rules like in um i watched uh, not not wreck um the paranormal activities mm-hmm. where the rules of that was it was the reverse of this movie that actually made sense for the rules in that film because it's a demon that attaches itself to people and individuals. Right. So then that made sense for in the Japanese spinoff of those movies mm-hmm. where she, the demon went inside of her from the other one or attached itself to her. So that's how she took it back to Japan. That's how it's happening in, in there now, Tokyo Nights. Yeah, I mean, that's like a thing we never really get. We just are supposed to go, oh, okay, she the grudge ghost in japan attached itself to her and then because of that she killed her family but we don't get to see her influenced by that ghost in any way she just kills her family Mm -hmm. but we don't we're just i guess just because the grudge ghost attached itself to her (laughs) okay (laughs) right Yeah. Well, whatever. Thanks for not giving us an actual reason. And that inherently cheapens the murder itself because we just put the blame on the grudge or the ghost or whatever. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, again, it does. It takes away from the impact of like this heavy thing made Mm -hmm. this house this way. Right. Um, That's right. (laughs) That's right. Just have her kill her kid. Mm-hmm. Have her be somebody who did that. That's the worst thing. That would cause the grudge to start. Yeah. And then we catch up, you know, and then by the time a second thing has happened here, then that's when a detective or third thing happens, whatever. That's when a detective would perk up and be like, is there, you know, it's against all mm-hmm. uh, rationale, but does that mean there's something to the house? Mm-hmm. Looks into other cases where that's happened, comes right. across the other... 
instances in the world, whatever. Have them contemplate just that idea for 30 seconds. (laughs) Like, just have them reading the statistics and just be like, it's so fucking wild that the the occur, the common occurrence of a second and or secondary or tertiary murders that are unconnected to the the initial one happening in, in the same house concurrently like that what a fucking crazy statistic mm-hmm. just have them fucking think about that for 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then move on because all it does is make us go yeah that fucking does have an impact Right. It could be, yeah, interesting stuff like, yeah, so someone someone dies in this house of a natural cause, and then we sort of pick up on, ooh, so it's not potent enough to make a grudge itself, you know? It's, right, right. And it shouldn't be, right? But like what you say, yeah, make it a horrible, like, child murder. Have the other detective be the sounding board for that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, no, that's fucking dumb. People die in houses all the time. And she's like, that's not what I'm talking about, though. <laughs> I'm talking about real evil shit. Yeah. Like when somebody really crosses over and does that worst thing, maybe it maybe it does something. Maybe right. it fucking rips, you know, a fabric in the fucking whatever world that, that just it, you can't come back from it. Right. That's what's so cool. Let's about talk these, about that's that. That's what's shit. so. And that's what's so cool about these movies. That's why the metaphor works for these movies. So right. I guess that all went out the window when it was this weird, like it follows her thing. Yeah, and then it's associated with the house as strongly. I don't know. We're, we talked about it. We've said you it. have a, a fucking detective who is not detecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then just make her a fucking whatever. <laughs> right. She could be a fucking anything. <laughs> She could be a banker. I don't know. She could, <laughs> doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> That's why it's like in the beginning, I was just like, this means nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. It's fucking fuck. None of it meant anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lynn Shay said, this is the scariest script I've ever read for real. So again, you wonder how this went mm-hmm. from where it started to where it finished. I also wonder if that's because she's only read insidious movie scripts. <laughs> Come on. I do like Come to, on. I do like to Ryan, we love we love some Lin Shay. That's my point. Yeah. I know. I know. No, it's not. I, I actually I, that was completely aside the point. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um Oh, she's great. Yeah. Do you see this international ending thing? Uh-huh. Um, I'm reading it right After now. After Muldoon burns the house to the ground, she sees Burke watching her. Sometime later, the pair are driving on a road toward a new home as they pull into the driveway of the house formerly owned by the Spencers and enter. The credits begin rolling. Isn't that what the ending was? No. Was, it, was the sh- last shot of the house burned down? No, the last shot was her house, Muldoon's house, after um, she's sent her kid off to school and the grudge ghost has been pretending to be her kid. Oh, right. And she's been dragged around by it. Right. So wait, why is it her house? Not the house. She- I guess that's the Because she brought. Because she brought it with her. She- oh, right. Because she's entered... But she didn't enter the house in Japan. But wait, what? what? She en- no, but she entered the Rayburn house. Remember, they, I know, they hammered that, that, that house. I know, but that's how, it's, that's how it's supposed to work. 
Um, In this movie, that's how they decided it worked. The setting, Cross River, New York, is Nicholas Pesci's real hometown. Oh, cool. Thought he could mine some, you know, real life inspiration. I wonder where that is. Um, I'm going to look it up if it's near where I grew up. I got to wonder. I mean, I guess we already said this, Tim, but like, no, I mean, we're, I just, I guess my this last bit again was oh, this, it's nowhere near where I grew up. Was just wondering if, you know, could he make a good movie with this footage? We already said that. I think. I think you can make a better movie. I could rearrange this movie to be a better movie, yes. And just not do that. Again, like what I already said. I would cut all of the jump scares. Yeah, all the sound effect things. Yeah. God, it just makes me sad. It makes me mad. It's scarier, I think, often to see a character looking into darkness or out of a window, you know, that you can't see out of and not get a conclusion, see their reaction and not see what they're seeing. That's scary. Use that tool. Mm -hmm. Like keep things from us. Make us go, the fuck is going on? What did she see? One of my favorite modern um, reviewers, and I know is also a favorite of one of our listeners, Miklas Al. It's the name of the reviewer, not the listener, for the San Francisco Chronicle. He said the film was all premise and no development and wrote, I saw this movie in the middle of the day, having had a great night's sleep, and I had to slap myself awake a few times. <laughs> we always liked him. You know, he, he writes, he's a fun writer, but he was like kind of um, talking before it kind of became a semi like. I don't want to say cult movie, but Joyride, me and my friends mm. all loved. And he was like the, the first only... Joyride. Yeah, he was first. There's more. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think I... they made a couple sequels. Anyway, he was the first Candy Cane. He was the only sort of critic <laughs> to sort of defend it and say, yeah, this was cool. It is cool. Mm-hmm. Steve Zahn is the best. Nick Allen of RogerEbert.com gave the film... Wait, gave the film three out of four stars? <laughs> Saying that it is often as nasty as you want it to be. It's cheesy jump scares and generic patch- packaging be damned. Mm, what? Okay, well, okay, Nick. <laughs> and then um, oh. the, Nicholas Pesci did express interest in like doing sequels or continuing it of just being able to either do it in, you know, work with the idea in a less contemporary time period or other areas of the world that aren't Japan or America. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll, uh, continue and I'll make a better movie. Just make a different movie. Don't just get out of the grudge <laughs> thing. Just go make a fucking, go make a better movie. <laughs> yeah. Fucking A. It really bugs me that, like, we're somehow now becoming beholden to the property. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Just make a better movie. Jeremy Solner is the name of the Blue oh, Ruin yeah. guy, if you're anyone who's wondering out there. Do you have anything else to say about the no, I don't. I really don't. Just the reclining chairs in that theater mm-hmm. blew my fucking mind. <laughs> Worth uh, seventeen fifty? No, <laughs> but I understand why it was seventeen fifty because of that. I was like, "Oh, did we fuck up? Like, should we? Could we have gone to the cheap seat fucking theater?" <laughs> no, <laughs> it's Universal City Walk. They just redid it, so it's like, oh. "Wow, everything's fancy and blah." Okay, 
Okay, then let's move on, Tim, from The Grudge 2020 to Recommendations. Okay. I, um... (laughs) There's this, uh... Uh... I know you didn't mean to do that. That was funny, Tim. Do you see what you just did? I did. I see it. So there's this series of, I guess they're movies, but I think that they were initially just they were episodic, but then they got just combined into movies. It's <laughs> a really great explanation. They're horrible. Don't get me wrong, but they're right in the thing that I like, which is ghost hunting. Uh-huh. They're called, uh, they're all just called a haunting and then whatever the location that, that what are you talking about? A YouTube show? Uh, no, no, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's on Prime, I think. A haunting? Yeah. So, like, for example, this one is a haunting on Washington Avenue. Or there's a there's a ton of them. A haunting on uh, Hell Dice Road. Okay, okay. Okay. Get it. So, like, I've watched most of them, and they're they're pretty bad, and they they do sometimes give you some some stuff, like some cool, you know, ghost hunting moments or whatever. Um, the last one I watched, I I stayed up like way too fucking late watching this thing. Um, (laughs) and, uh, it was, it was pretty okay. Like interesting. It's this old, um, I guess kind of civil war era, like mansion that some family had bought and right off the bat had started having issues and whatever. Um, but they, they end up (laughs) using technology. I'm using air quotes that video technology that they run through some sort of computer program that they've created and that looks for spirit like faces, which is dubious in and of itself, but just get on board because it's fun. They, in this one, come up with this face that is so upsetting and it's actually it actually made me fucking kind of creeped out and like feeling that like i was like laying on my fucking carpet in front of my tv and with all the lights off and it's like one in the morning and i'm looking over into like the the abyss of darkness that leads (laughs) to my bathroom being like i'm kind of fucking creeped out right now (laughs) like i'm getting that that you know the whatever the the willies kind of feeling which i was kind of psyched about So, are you recommending the specific episode yes which means it's this one here it's called a haunting on brockway street Brockway um, Street. Yeah. <laughs> so it's neither a way nor a street. Yeah. So that's mine because yeah, you'll get to the the face thing, and then they key. Of course, I show the the image over and over again, and I'm, it's <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> My uh, recommendation. I got to do the first ever repeat recommendation just because. Wow. So after seeing this movie two nights ago, Tim, I watched last night with a friend. The the grudge versus the ring. Oh yeah, Sadako versus Kayako, and it's it's totally not in the vein of like the originals, but it is for me kind of like when I said Ash versus Evil Dead earlier. It's like this is how you do 
like this is when the swoosh whatever boomer sound effects are okay when it's just Mm. trying to be fun when it's just trying to be like ridiculous and fun and knows what it is like it's okay so and and it's it it's just just watch this instead. That's why it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. This rather than this weird middling middle ground. Yeah. Shit. Middling is to no, it's whether the a weird bottoming hold, holdly offensive, horrible <laughs> feeling middle ground. Anyway, I still stand by it. I'm recommended deading it again. It's better than you may think more fun than you may think it's got its problems, but whatever. It's still cool. Sadako versus Kayako. It's back on shutter. Cool. My turn for next week's movie, yeah, Tim. Yeah, it is, buddy. Next week, we will be back with... From 2015. Oh, no. Starring one Jack Black. Oh, no. Goosebumps. Oh, no. <laughs> it's happened. It's happened, Tim. Fuck. Tim. Now I have to, like, do something. This is... Like, learn something. What? Don't I have to like learn learn about goosebumps before I see this so that I know what the fuck's going on? No, not at all. Oh, okay, great. I think you said then you I had a, a goosebumps expert friend. I do. If they're available, we can yeah, try to get I'll to call join him us. And see if he wants to come on. Um, but uh, I had to make the request for this one, Tim. I'm just sad that this show that we're doing here is something I can't share with my mom because of your incessant swearing. <laughs> so. I, I just for the Goosebumps episode, oh which God. is a PG kids movie, okay. I was just for me this once. I was gonna ask if we could. Can't keep you just it. bleep me? No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Too much work. <laughs> Too much work, and it's just the same. It's still coming through. Uh, we're, okay. we're reviewing this PG movie. Can we? Okay, just, yeah. Just for me this once. Yeah, and my to, mom. I have to imagine that there's a kid in the room. Do a PG. And I think I can do it. Yeah, and that's how my mom likes things. So that's Great. a good way to put it. That okay. Mean a, lot, mean a lot to me to cover this 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 film inspired by these books that I loved more than anything from my childhood. Wow. I'm sorry, Ryan's mom, that I swear so fucking much. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Point proven. Yeah. Um. So great. I'm finally excited just to cross that one off. Cool. Goosebumps 2015. We'll be back with this time next week, unless you're listening to this later and it's already out. Listen to it too, if you want. Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Got a links to our social media things there. Mm-hmm. Got an email address, dismembering, uh, dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Yeah. Dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. We want to hear from you folks. Yeah, you should do that. Get into it. Leave us a review. It means us a lot. I mean, if you like it, if you leave us a good review, <laughs> mean, mean us a lot. Mean us a lot. Mean mean a lot to us. Mean us a lot. Yep. So mean us a lot. Anyways, all right. That's it. Yeah, that's it. In closing, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>